Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 4, Episode 4, Fear Itself. I love this episode. <laughs> it's so good. I don't know about you. People, I think, I've definitely fallen into this. We talked about the Halloween episodes of Buffy, but really there's only like two Halloween episodes, right? There's Halloween in season two, and then there's this one. And I, I don't know that the Halloween episodes have the exact kind of continuity that we think they do, but I do think that the that each of these Halloween episodes is like, such a good episode in his own right and i agree with you fear itself is another example and i i like that the writers brought this in as the fourth episode of the season because we've had a couple of harder episodes you know like last week that was a lot it was a lot it was a lot in that episode and i'm glad that we had an episode where you know obviously the Scoobies do have to face some fears here, and, and Buffy is a little bit heavy, especially at the beginning of the episode. But there's also a lot of humor here. There's also a lot of fun. You know how um, we sometimes say within the episode that the pacing is really good? So far for season four, I feel like the pacing has been good in that the freshman was a bit of a wobble in terms of Buffy's emotional state. But then we had living conditions, which was really fun. And then last week's was, you know, again, kind of more serious and like we had a lot to say about it. And then this one was fun again. So I feel like uh, at least in terms of the movement up from season three to season four, the writing is consistent. Like we're still seeing mm -hmm. good episodes, you know, with different tones to them. But the writing is still really good for like I'm enjoying season four. Well, I'm enjoying it. We actually see Buffy interacting with a professor uh in this episode which she hasn't done in the past two episodes and i almost forgot that she was taking classes <laughs> you know this episode what i will say one of the things i enjoyed about it was that it did show us a little bit more of that college life this is episode four and like they they party <laughs> or they want to party and i think that's realistic and this episode actually maybe you caught them too there's a lot of callbacks to older mm -hmm. episodes and older yeah. storylines Lots of those, and I like that a lot. And I'll say right off the bat, right before we get started, Oz is super fucking hot <laughs> in this episode. And I think all of my angel thirsting oh, no. is, is, I mean, the, where is he? I can't put it on him. So it, everything's gone straight to Oz and Giles. Oh, no. And this episode was amazing. <laughs> Not oh no, oh yes. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about it. All right, we open in Xander's basement. We've never opened there before. And the Scoobies are carving pumpkins. And Buffy's not into it. She's she's like playing with the mush in the bowl. And by the way, I don't know if you carve pumpkins every year for Halloween. I don't because I don't like the idea of that inside pumpkin stuff in a bowl. Like it makes me want to yak. Like I just, ooh, it just so, grosses me out. I do carve pumpkins. Um, I don't really enjoy it, but as a homeowner, I really enjoy giving out candy. I missed it during the pandemic, and I, I got to do it this year. 
Um, and when I have the opportunity, I do enjoy having friends over. It's just a fun, casual activity. Pumpkins are not that expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can just buy a bunch and everybody just carves and you have a good time. Uh, if, you, if you're somebody who drinks, I'm not. But if you're somebody who drinks, you can have some alcohol, stay away from the sharper knives. But, um, you know, so this scene kind of resonated for me because it's this fun kind of friend activity. And yeah, we're hanging out in Xander's basement because this is the place where they can all hang out now. I mean, yeah. where are they going to go? Buffy's room? It's very of their age, right? Because it's also like, it's not like they can go out drinking right now. So like carving pumpkins, it's like, it's it's cute. I like it. I'm just saying for me, I don't like the inside of the gunk that, that Buffy's playing with. And while she's playing with it, she's saying, she's thinking about the life of the pumpkin. And you grow up in the sun, happily entwined with others. Then someone comes along, cuts you open, and rips your guts out. Who are we talking about here, Buffy? Angel? <laughs> I hope I, so. I mean... Who got stabbed in the gut last season? Are you talking about Are you talking about Lester? No, I'm talking about Faith. Oh, <laughs> I'm thinking like Lester, the professor that Buffy's, Faith stabbed in the gut. <laughs> Faith came along and Buffy cut her open. And oh, so you think Buffy's out. talking about Faith here? I don't know that that's what the writers <laughs> intended. I'm just throwing that out there, but you know, I like that connection. <laughs> it's like like Buffy's clearly thinking about the past, right? And. I, I I think the writers meant it to be more of a metaphorical, like Buffy had her guts ripped out by Angel breaking up with her and then Parker gaslighting her. So I don't like that she's so hung up over Parker. Like it makes me sad that she is because this guy's such a fucking loser. I see what you mean, but I think it's pretty realistic. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I'm sad that it's happening to her. So uh, Xander is changing the subject, right? So he's like, uh, I got a movie for the second annual Halloween screening. And this makes me think that last year we didn't get a Halloween episode. We got banned candy, but that wasn't Halloween. Uh, they must have stayed in and watched movies. They're telling us this now, if this is the second annual one. So Xander says, people prepare to have your spines tingled and your gooses bumped by the terrifying Fantasia because he pulls out a, a video and he says it's supposed to be Phantasm. Stupid video store screwed it up. And I really miss Blockbuster. I really do. Uh, Willow thought that they were going to the Alpha Delt thing. And Buffy says, the scary house sounds kind of lame. And Oz says, nope, it borders on fun. You go through this whole scary house maze to get to the party, which is usually worth getting to because those guys go all out. And Willow says, as witnessed last Friday. So these people have been partying. Like they've been partying it up the last two months, apparently. They've been going to parties and at at It's so houses. different from the Willow of high school, right? right? When we first met Willow... Um, victim of bullying, always just focused on her studies. And now look at who she is. Like, she's partying and she's practicing magic and she's got a funky haircut. Like, Yeah, she's you know, going it, to frat parties. Yeah, it, it's really kind of like showing us that this season is about these massive life changes. But don't you wish we'd see... We see them doing and going I, to these I, parties but I, and stuff. I, I think we will, right? Like, we're going to see that in this episode. We'll see it in future episodes. Yeah, we yeah, did yeah. see it to some extent in the harsh light of day, right? We saw them go to a party. So so I, I think it's just about the writers, just these lines kind of establish that they're actually doing this regularly, not just, you know, when we're seeing them do it. Yeah, I, li I like it. Uh, Xander says, uh, you know, oh, I didn't know there was a party. But, it, you know, it's cool. You guys go do your college thing. I'm fine. I got better things to do. I don't want to take along to some fraternity. And Willow's like, you, you can come. Like, you can come with us. And he's like, okay. But only because I lied about having something better to do. And Buffy says that she's going to go. 
And Xander notices that the night is a little mature, sure. It's probably like 10 p.m. Uh, but still, like, why is she going? And she says, I'm sleepy, have fun. Willow offers to go with her. And she's just like, no, no, I'm fine. And she goes. So Xander says, sad Buffy. And Willow notices that she didn't touch her pumpkin. It's just a freak with no face, she says. And Oz says that she has post-Parker depression. So they all agree that they want to smack him for bailing on her. And Buffy is outside wandering the streets of Sunnydale because surely she's not walking the five miles to campus. I, I thought about this too, right? Because Xander must live in town. And yes. Maybe she's maybe she'll sleep at you know her house with Joyce tonight. Oh I don't know. yeah, maybe she's going to Joyce's house. Uh, I I just they should not have said that in the freshman that it was five miles away because I'm never gonna forget it because <laughs> they they don't drive. <laughs> So this is wild. This is wild. Um, a, a guy, a demon jumps out at Buffy and she punches him in the face and he falls back and it's a man wearing a mask and he says, what the hell's wrong with you, lady? And I was like, bruh, what's Excuse wrong me? with you? What is wrong with like, you? If somebody, even if he's not wearing a mask, if some guy <laughs> jumps out at me in the shadows <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, in the middle of the night, <laughs> you bet I'm going to react poorly. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I will murder you if you do that to me. Like, come on. It's also Sunnydale, like the murder capital of the world. Right. Like, why would you do that? Why, oh, why, and... why would... So, so just a small PSA. Dear straight cis men, <laughs> if you think it would ever be appropriate to jump out of the shadows and scare um, a woman or anybody who's walking alone in the middle of the night... Let me assure you, it is not a good idea. No matter how drunk you are, no matter how cool <laughs> your costume is, just don't do it. I don't think any of our listeners would do such a thing, but spread the word because that, is, that ain't right. It's so weird. And Buffy gets sad that the guy says, what's wrong with you? She's like, that's what I'd like to know. And I was like, girl, no. <laughs> like, that is so not your fault. I, I mean, Buffy, Buffy has her flaws, but certainly <laughs> punching fake demon guys in the face is not one of them guys that surprise her in the middle of the night so after the credits we are on campus at the cafeteria willow is telling buffy that she's been doing levitation charms glamours but she's plateaued wicca wise so she's talking about her magic and she says the next level is transmutation conjuring bringing forth something from nothing and it gets you close to those primal forces and it's a little scary and i paused here a bit at primal forces in the word and I think at the end of this season, maybe later, we'll talk a little bit more about primal forces and such, but I don't think that's what it means here. I think I think I need someone to explain to me what witchcraft versus Wicca is. Because when she says Wicca-wise, to me, Wicca is like a pagan religion. It's it's like um, a nature-based religion. It's all about the spiritual energies and, cycle, and cycles, and it's like, it's a real thing. And then witchcraft to me is more about the fictional spells and the hocus pocus stuff that you see in movies. I could be very wrong and I would love, we have a lot of Wiccans who listen, so maybe they can come and let us know. But um, I think the show through Willow's mouth mixes the two up or takes a lot of liberties with what it actually is. So hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar with, yeah. with the distinctions. So I, I'm sure there has been a lot of commentary on this from both Wiccans as well as people who label themselves witches. And like you said, right? Like, write into us, listeners. Give us some hot stakes. Yeah, let us How know. How do you feel about the development of Willow as a witch slash Wicca 
in this season right now. No spoilers for future seasons. We'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting to me. And I also think it's like so on brand for them to be talking about this openly in the university <laughs> cafeteria because it's California, right? And it's pro- there's yeah. probably like half a dozen people who are talking about that kind of thing. And it's just like, if anybody overheard their conversation, <laughs> they'd just be like, oh, yeah, far out, sweet. <laughs> like that stoner vamp <laughs> from the freshman. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let us know because this conversation was like hurting my brain. So Buffy says, no one's pushing you. Like, if it's too much, don't do it. And Willow's like, well, what kind of encouragement is that? And Buffy says, this was an encouragement talk? I thought it was share my pain. (laughs) I think this is another sign of how off Buffy is, right? Because normally she's pretty good at supporting Willow, but it sounds like she's just very preoccupied right now. Yeah. And but here's an interesting thing. Willow says, what is college for if not experimenting? Maybe I can handle it. I'll know what I've when I've reached my limit. So interesting, interesting word choices. I don't think that has any 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 bearing on anything else that happens this season. Nor do I. I don't think the writers look ahead at all, especially for this episode. So Oz comes up and asks wine coolers, and again, like they must have been partying. Like Willow's been getting trashed off wine coolers at these frat houses. They got those Jello shots from the freshman, right? <laughs> Jello shots in September, wine coolers in October. Like, what's going on? So Buffy says it's magic, and Oz says, "Did you? You didn't encourage her, did you?" And Willow's like, "Hey, we're a supportive boyfriend guy." And Oz just tells her very sweetly that you know he's afraid that she'll get hurt, and he he worries about her, and he knows what it's like to have a power that you can't control. Every time he starts to wolf out, he touches something deep and dark, and it's not fun. But just know that whatever you decide, I'll back your play. And I was like, oh my god, did we remember that Oz is a werewolf? <laughs> because it's not been relevant for. A very right? long time. <laughs> I, I agree with you. This is this is a really nice exchange because you know it, it's so common in a relationship when one person is exploring something new and potentially dangerous. Um, sometimes, if the relationship isn't very strong or isn't very healthy, their partner can be judgmental and not supportive. And I really like how Oz strikes that balance of well, I'm going to be honest with you, right? I'm going to tell you that it concerns me. He's not just pushing that aside and burying it. But he's also saying I'm going to support you. And I think that's so important um, in any type of relationship is at the end of the day, right, Willow has agency and you may not like the choices that she's making, but you need to support her because if you push her back and you try to like shut her down, she's just going to resent you for it. So that's very wise of Oz. Oz is so lovely in this episode. He's the perfect boyfriend in this episode, in my opinion. So Buffy says, uh, concerned boy is sweet boy. (laughs) And I agree. And Buffy sees Parker laughing at a table with his friends. Like, Parker's still around? I thought he would be so done by the last episode. But there he is laughing at a table. It hurts Buffy's feelings. We should have started a hurtful rumor about him. Right? We should have started something to get him off campus. Cancel him. Cancel Parker. (laughs) Hashtag. Um, Buffy runs out. Willow follows her. And she's like, don't let jerky Parker chase you away. (laughs) And Buffy's like, he didn't. I just don't want to deal with this right now. I'm taking a holiday from dealing with it. Happily vacationing in a land of not coping. And Willow says, maybe you'll meet someone at the party tonight. And because (laughs) this is very consistent with Willow. Because, you know, this whole time we've known her, she's always like, date someone else, Buffy. Like, get back out there. (laughs) So. 
so Bobby's like, I don't want to meet someone. Like, I've reached my quota on someone's. Besides, I need to patrol tonight. And Willow's like, but it's Halloween. And Buffy has to check with Giles. But she's like, I think he'll want me to be an active Slayer duty tonight. He doesn't care about Halloween. Cut to Giles' house where he opens the door and says, Happy Halloween! And he's wearing, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. He's wearing a costume. Uh, mm-hmm. Carl, what's his costume of? What's, what what well, is he wearing? He's wearing, <laughs> um, you know, like some kind of poncho and a sombrero. Although, as many of our listeners would be aware, sombrero is just Spanish for hat. So yeah. <laughs> he's wearing a hat, but he calls it a sombrero because it's a particular type of hat. That often yeah. makes an appearance in Mexican culture. Um, so when you said there were callbacks in this episode, to me, this is one of those callbacks. This is a callback to the rampant cultural appropriation of costumes that we saw in Inca Mummy Girl. <laughs> um, this is not the only poor choice of costume in this episode. I, it, I think it's the only one that the main characters perpetrate. There's a few others yep. from, um, you know, just uh, minor bit characters. But yeah, this is this is not cool. I'm not going to dwell on this. But no, go back to listen to Inca Mummy Girl if you want to hear I, what I, we have to say. I think <laughs> the point is, it's hilarious, right, that Giles was usually all bah humbug about Halloween. Although I don't agree with Buffy. Like, Giles was always like, you can take Halloween off, right? Because nothing ever happens. But yeah, Buffy's shown up here thinking she's going to get back up from Giles. And he's going to make her work. And it turns out he's, no, he's into Halloween. Yeah, and I love it. Uh, and the, okay, this is so cute because she's literally like, you hate Halloween. And he's like, I said no such thing. And that, when he was a watcher, he was busy. But now he's like embraced the holiday's inherent charms. And he's like, look. And he turns on this like dangling Frankenstein because not only is he in costume, he decorated his house for Halloween and it starts like shaking and he laughs he like lets out this like laugh about it I'm like I've never seen Giles so goofy since he talked about moon pies in season two Giles (laughs) is not in a good way Um, he's sick he's very sick well well, clear no clearly right like this is Giles not coping with not having any job or purpose and and yeah you know it's good that he's exploring all these things but I think this is the writer's way of showing us right like people have different ways of not coping and for Giles his version of not coping is pretending to be fine um and I'm very curious to see like as the season goes on when will the cracks really start to show (laughs) and this is funny. So so Buffy makes him take off his sombrero while she's talking to her. And she's pleading her case. She's like, I think I should b- patrol tonight. Because remember what happened with band candy night? Basically, like, like the yellow Halloween with Ethan. So that's a callback to band candy. And Giles is like, no, like, you don't have to patrol tonight. Like, the creatures of the night shy away from Halloween. They find it too crass. So he promises her the likelihood of any supernatural activity tonight is very low. So we cut to the Alpha Delta house. Where if you noticed, I don't know if you watched the show, but the say it's the same house from American Horror Story Murder House season one. I did one. not know that. That is the only season of American Horror Story I ever watched. Uh, the Bros and the Mitches and the Chads and the. Thank <laughs> the, you. I didn't want to learn their names. <laughs> well, they're all decorating for this party, and uh, one of the Chads comes bearing fake spiders, and the other guy, we'll call him, we'll call him Brad. He says the sound system sucks, so they got to call Oz to hook them up. And Chad says, if we cannot scare the young women, they will not fall into our arms. We'll have womanless arms. Halloween is not about thrills and chills and funny costumes. It's about getting laid. And I was like, really? (laughs) No one told me that because I personally am into Halloween for the thrills and the chills. Okay. 
I will say this. Props to these guys putting in some effort, right? Like, Absolutely. They yes. are really going all out, decorating this place, like Oz was saying. You know, it, it's one thing for a guy to just expect women to want to sleep with him because Halloween's about, you know, wearing a slutty costume and getting drunk, right? Like, they could be a lot lazier about this. So <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily on this guy's side, but I see his point of view, and I'm glad that he's at least putting some effort into getting laid tonight so good for him wow i really love that perspective because he's getting hotter and hotter to me the more he <laughs> puts up these the decor <laughs> um yeah so the other guy is like is there any holiday holiday that's not about getting laid and brad's like arbor day and i was like what there are so many holidays that are not about getting laid like you could have said father's day you could have said Mother's oh, Day. Ooh, um, <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and if anyone watches New Girl, Schmidt in that show listed the four sexiest holidays there are. Fourth of July, Independence Day, obviously, <laughs> Women's History Month, and Christmas. That's a terrible joke. <laughs> so those are the holidays that you can get laid on. And anyone who's out there who's a New Girl fan, I see you. <laughs> like that show so chad he's all like you wanted symbols to paint upstairs something mystical check this out and he holds up a book with a symbol in it because these boys are new to sunnydale i guess and don't know the rules about writing random things around what this teaches us is that even at the uc sunnydale library there must be a very large occult section because this guy, you know, he doesn't strike me as a particularly studious type. So mm. um, I don't think he would have the patience to like, go look for like the three occult books in the library. So there must be a large enough selection that he was just able to wander into the occult section and pull a book out at random and be like, this will do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of incompetence, we go to Xander's basement where he's getting ready to leave. And uh, Anya comes in and she says that his uncle Rory let her in. And why does he always smell like peppermint? And Xander says, the man likes his schnapps. And we've talked about Uncle Rory before. Like we, I don't know if he's the taxidermist one. I don't know if he's the one that gets drunk. And this is probably the one that uh, has DUIs and can't use his car. Yes, I believe that's the one. It's interesting that like they, he also lives with them. Right? Like he's well, living or he's upstairs. visiting for Halloween because it's such an important holiday. It's, yeah, the sexiest holiday there is. Uh, so uh, Anya says, you haven't called not once. And Xander says, well, you, you said you were over me. And Anya says, you accepted that? I only said that because I thought that was what you wanted to hear. And Xander says, that's a funny thing about me. I don't, I tend to hear the actual words people say and accept them at face value. Other than the entire first season where he didn't listen to Buffy telling him that she's not into him. <laughs> right? Right? But he was into Buffy. That's the difference here. Okay. Anya okay. is all over him and he's never been particularly interested in her, in her until literally this episode. So, of course, <laughs> that's how he would act. She's like, I don't, she's like, I'm over you. He's like, okay, good. So he says, you know what, though? Seeing you doesn't fall into the realm of a bad thing. And, and Anya smiles and says, really? I thought maybe we could go on a date tonight for our anniversary. It's been exactly one week since we copulated. <laughs> Did you forget? Xander says, you didn't forget, but he has plans with his friends because it's Halloween. And Anya doesn't understand why he associates with those people anymore because they share so little in common. She points out that they go to college, you don't. They no longer live at home, and you do. And Xander gets upset by this. Like, this triggers him, and he's just like, okay, can we change the subject? And Anya says, don't get upset with me. I was just wondering. And Xander invites her to the party tonight. 
and she's like, like a date? Are we... Are we dating? And Xander's like, there are definitely date-like qualities at work here. You need a costume, like to dress up, something scary. And Anya's like, scary how? And he says, you, ex-demon, terrified mankind for centuries. I'm sure you'll come up with something. So interesting. They've just established that they're dating. Okay. Buffy is entering her Psych 101 class. And Professor Walsh is there. And (laughs) the walking, talking, corn on the cob... (laughs) Riley is behind her. And she says, I came to get today's assignments um, because she couldn't make it to class because of personal reasons. And Professor Walsh is like, I count four limbs, a head, no visible scarring. So I assume your personal issue wasn't a life-threatening accident of any kind. And I'm therefore uninterested. You've got problems, solve them on your own time. Miss another class and you're out. Excuse me. Yo. Excuse me. Okay, first. Yo. First. Yeah. That yeah, is yeah. not a sound assumption, Professor Walsh. Um, I don't know what kind of logic courses you took when you were in university. Buffy could have internal problems. She could have cancer. She could have organ failure. Like, you know, just because you can't see that she's undergoing some kind of life-threatening incident doesn't mean that's not happening. So She could have really bad cramps. Right. Like, that's fuck. The, yeah, there could be vampires around. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the first problem. Secondly, I'm just going to say this. University and college professors who do this are dicks. Okay? Um, mm-hmm. Your chorus is not more important than whatever is going on in somebody's life, and you don't get to decide what people's priorities are. You know, if Buffy wanted to blow off your course because she wanted to go to a movie, honestly, that's fine. You're there to teach students. And it would be one thing if the student was like, oh, yeah, you know, I missed six uh, lectures in a row. Could you give me all your notes and catch me up? No, Buffy missed one class. She just wants the assignment. Why are you being so rude? Right? Like, where is your empathy? And the thing is, is like, okay, it's it's psych 101, It's not like some seminar course in fourth year that you actually like need to be present at. It's a giant psych course. Just give her the fucking information she needs. And she also came right after class, having missed it, to get the assignment. She could have blown it off. It's not a large class to begin with. So if her policy is you only get to miss one class and then she kicks you out, this class is going to dwindle very fast. Right? So, ugh, but I also was like, Buffy, say something, say anything, because Buffy's just like, sorry, you know what I mean? Like she leaves and Buffy looks sad. And I was like, I know you're bad at lying, but like, it could have been so easy for you to be like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I have, I'm internally bleeding right now. <laughs> or like someone died or say something because someone always dies in Sunnydale. So Professor Walsh leaves and Riley says she means it, you know, and Buffy's like, well, yeah, I got the impression she wasn't saying it to make me laugh. He says, you got to be aware that your work's been a little downturn lately. I can't remember the last time I saw your hand up. Things get pretty intense freshman year, as I dimly recall. Too much fun or not enough? And Buffy's like, both, actually. (laughs) And Riley says, keep your priorities. Professor Walsh, it's worth your time. And then Riley gives her the assignment. Okay, so he remembers who she is and is doing something nice for her. noticing if her hands are up or not. I don't know. So Buffy says, I will work on this tonight. And Riley's like, it's Halloween. You're not going to dress up and go party? And Buffy's like, "Uh, no, I got work to do. And Riley's like, I may be at a line here. It's not my business. But you seem like the kind of person who makes things really hard on themselves. Riley, 
In what way would you know that? So then he says, Halloween isn't a night for responsibility. It's when the ghosts and the goblins come out. And Buffy's like, that's actually a misnomer. (laughs) And Riley says, I didn't mean real ones. But hey, there's good, scary fun to be had on campus tonight. Buffy's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to sit here and grade papers. And she's like, scary. Okay, thanks for the pep talk, coach. And Riley's like, don't make fun. I worked long and hard to get this pompous. And Buffy's like, no, I mean it. And he says, you're welcome. And then she leaves. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So at the frat house, Xander and Oz are bringing in Oz's sound system, his speakers. Uh, and uh, the bros are painting the symbol on the floor. And Xander's like, he's like, well, about the design. He's like, what, what does this design mean? And they're like, I don't know. And the guy, like, like Chad starts saying they found it in a book and it's got all this cool stuff in here. And Xander gets distracted by a bowl of grapes and goes to go see them. And I was like, God damn it, Xander. You've been on the Hellmouth your whole life. You've been fighting evil on the Hellmouth for three years. This doesn't alarm you. This doesn't set off any bells in that right? head of yours. Like, who spends that much time peeling grapes? <laughs> Only evil frat boys. But <laughs> No, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I, I agree with you, but you have to remember, Xander has a lot on his plate right now. He's living in his parents' basement, paying rent. Uh, he doesn't have much in the way of jobs. You know, he was doing odd jobs for Giles last time we saw. Um, and <laughs> yeah, he has a thousand-year-old ex-demon uh, who's interested in sleeping with him and also wants to date him. Boy has problems, so I understand that he's not on top of his game. All right, you're giving you're giving him a pass. I'm like, you should have seen this coming, Xander. So anyway, he's wondering why the grapes are peeled, and the and um, Brad is like, eyeballs, man. Blindfold chicks, tell them to put their hand in the bowl and tell them it's eyeballs. They love it. And um, as a chick, I'm gonna say we don't love that. That's my hand would be all wet and sticky after that. So. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a party pooper. So Xander says, and here I was wasting my time buying them flowers and complimenting them on their shoes. So you go through the whole house of horrors downstairs and it ends up here. Sweet. You fratty guys have a nice setup. Chad is like, mighty, mighty alpha delts. You should think about pledging. <laughs> and, uh, and Oz tells him that Xander's a civilian. And that's an interesting way to phrase that. And the guy's like, oh, you're a townie, huh? Didn't know. He looks so normal. Sure, you should let him come to the party, Oz? Like, like he's a second-class citizen all of a sudden? Um, Oz turns on the sound system, but there's some crackling, so he takes out a knife to trim the wire. But he cuts himself, and he shakes his finger, and blood flies everywhere, lands on the symbol, duh, and it starts to radiate some sort of mystic energy. So what you're telling me is actually everything that happens in this episode is Oz's fault. What I'm saying is it is a... The responsibility lays with both Xander and Oz. (laughs) Um, But we know something's up because the fake spider turns into a real spider. So cut to Joyce. Oh, Joyce. Hi, Joyce. Uh, She's sewing a red cape for Buffy. She's going to go as Red Riding Hood for Halloween. And they start reminiscing together. And I thought this was such a lovely scene. I thought this was really cute. So so Joyce is saying, you know, when Buffy was a little girl, she she wore this costume and her father loved taking her out for Halloween and he wanted to keep you safe. And Buffy, who we haven't heard about Hank Summers in a long time. And Buffy is saying that he just wanted the candy. I was just his beard. She uses the phrase, I was just his beard, which is so interesting. Um, And Joyce says, uh, nope, the candy was for me. And we're like, we know, Joyce, because you'd be so high by the time they got home. (laughs) You needed needed the munchies. So 
Joy says, your father loved spending time with you. And Buffy says, not enough, I guess. Ooh, we're diving into daddy issues this episode. I wasn't expecting it. Buffy says, that just paved over memory lane, huh? And Joy says, the divorce has nothing to do with you. And Buffy says, she feels like there's a pattern here. Open your heart to someone and he bails on you. And maybe it's easier just to not let anyone in. Buffy, 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 Buffy. First thing, last time Buffy dressed up as Little Red Riding Hood, that did not go so well. No, but she did get a poetry book from angel that this is true this is true (laughs) um but i also i really like this conversation not just because it's a frank conversation between her and her mom but we're finally getting to the root of the issue right because earlier in the episode you were saying oh you know i don't like how buffy's kind of like obsessing over parker but i i I think really what we're seeing here is she's not obsessing over parker she's obsessing over angel still um parker is just the excuse I think she's using what happened with Parker as an excuse to prolong her grief over Angel because she's afraid that if she admits that she's gotten over Angel, then as Willow has been pushing her, she's going to have to go off and pair off with somebody because, you know, comp het. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, I, I like that this scene, I think Buffy can be honest with Joyce in a way she can't be with her other friends because they don't quite understand what she's going through, right? Yeah. Willow hasn't broken up with somebody yet. Uh, Xander went through a breakup with Cordelia, but for very different reasons. So mm-hmm. her friends don't really get it. Joyce actually does get it. And I think this scene is a really sweet scene uh, between a daughter and her mom, where her mom actually does get it. Um, and I love what Joyce says next when she's like, oh, you know, I thought it would be easier. You might have noticed that I'm not the social butterfly I was when I was with your dad, which I think is a lovely callback to the movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, (laughs) Buffy's mom's behavior in the movie. Um, You know, and Joyce is like, I don't think I made a single new friend the year we moved to Sunnydale. And then, of course, the year after that, she she met Pat. And we all know how that turned out. (laughs) (laughs) Wild Pat. Yeah, um, I like that she says... Because she says she has an inner, she's made an effort now, and she has an inner, a nice circle of girlfriends now. And I was like, rest in peace, Pat, who turned into a zombie and disappeared. I wonder if she, like, took over Pat's friend group, right? Like, Pat was gone, and then she's just like, I'm in charge now. When she says her circle of girlfriends, it's her gang of art thieves. It's her gang of art thieves or her book club. We'll never know. Her marijuana dealers, right? Like... (laughs) Pat was definitely the ringleader. She was the Cordelia. And then as soon as she disappeared, the harmony stepped up. And that was Joyce. (laughs) Joyce says that she's still a little gun shy, but it doesn't help that her last boyfriend was a homicidal robot. So there's a callback to Ted, just like we just had a callback to Dead Man's Party. Very fair. But also, it's so funny because I guess at some point last year, they explained to her that Ted was a robot because she just thought he was a serial killer. Joyce is very sweet here, and she says, I'll always be here for you, and you've got Mr. Giles and your friends. Believe me, there's nothing to be afraid of. Great job, Joyce. That's really nice. Good, good scene. So, cut to Halloween shenanigans on campus. People are teepeeing trees on campus. Silly string galore. Uh, Willow's putting on her costume in her room while she's on the phone with Oz, and she's saying that, you know, tonight we got to force fun upon Buffy. <laughs> and uh, looking around the dorm room, Cara, I noticed, I was like, where the hell is Amy the rat? 
Where's Amy? <laughs> Good question. Um, maybe she's staying at Willow's parents? Possibly. Oz's place? I don't know if you'd want to leave a rat with Oz if he goes werewolf, though. Seriously. But uh, anyway, that's a question that we'll never have the answer to. Uh, she goes outside. She's on her way out to the party. And all these other students are in the hallway um, in their costumes. And I'm wondering, I'm like, why are you guys going to this frat party? You should be having a res party right now with all your new friends. So the one guy is in drag and Will's like, oh, he's, he's out, he tells her, he's like, Willow, stop by the room because Will's been partying it up with all these people. And she's like, I can't tonight, but I love your outfit. And then there's like a lobster in a gift box having an argument. Like we're getting a lot of like random people in their costumes. At the frat house, the party is raging upstairs and Chad is making this girl put her hands in the goop of uh, peeled peeled grapes the eyeballs the eyeballs essentially and he's like they're eyeballs rachel and she's like ew and she takes off her blindfold and they are indeed eyeballs and she screams so buffy is on the street in her red riding hood costume xander comes up behind her he's wearing a tux and he's like what do you have in the basket little girl and buffy's like weapons <laughs> just in I, case i love the frankness of her reply right like yeah. she just weapons. takes the wind out of xander's sails and xander says that he's james bond because it's insurance in case we get turned into our costumes again i'm going for cool secret agent guy and i was like that's actually pretty clever of xander what's going on i'm not hating xander's choices in this season that much yet so uh willow comes up and buffy's like oh medieval will and will's gone as joan of arc and she says it's because we have a lot of a lot in common seeing as how i was almost burned at the stake and i was like that is a gingerbread reference like all these callbacks right also fantastic costume choice willow awesome no no cultural appropriation here you're just going as this historical figure and it's just like good job <laughs> great job and uh she says she that joan of arc also had a very close relationship with god and xander's like oz what are you and oz pushes his jacket out of the way and he's wearing a name tag that says hello my name is god <laughs> Fair. so they start to walk down the street and these two army guys come out of the bush in front of them and i was like these army guys suck i thought they're supposed to be like stealthy <laughs> and like secret ops but uh they just walk out into the street and they all just kind of assume they're wearing costumes so they move on and xander says anya's coming to meet them but she's having trouble finding a scary costume so she's going to meet them later and buffy says everybody's got a date except third wheel buffy and will's like you're not a third wheel and xander's like technically speaking you're a fifth wheel oh, thanks xander <laughs> And Willow says, we're going to have the best time. And they walk up to the house, but upstairs in the party room, everyone's screaming and it's chaos and they're running around. There's lights flashing. Things are getting knocked over. Someone's dead. <laughs> and then we cut to the quiet Scoobies walking toward the front door and Oz is all like, ooh, like it's going to be a good night. And then we cut back to the room and the one guy is like running down the halls. People are screaming. The, the dead girl wakes up, flash, flash, flash. It's like a lot of like cutting. Um, the frat guy Chad falls down the stairs and is dead at the bottom of them. So the Scoobies enter the house, which is very nicely decorated, right? Like you said, they went all out because, you know, their commitment to getting laid tonight is something to be revered. <laughs> so they, they notice that no one is there. Um, so they have to follow the signs to the party. They are walking through 
the hallways and Willow walks straight into a fake cobweb. Don't know how she didn't see it. And the skeleton man from the closet jumps out. It's like a little puppet and scares Xander. And Oz notices that there's a real tarantula on Willow's shoulder. So he knocks it off of her while she freaks out. She's like, get it off. That's not sanitary. And Buffy's like, let's get to the party part of the party because this is weird. And as they walk through the halls, they're getting clearly confused because obviously Oz knows the ways to the party, but it's not leading them there the way that they're going. So Buffy notices on the floor, there's a puddle of real blood. Like she smells it with her fingers. I guess it's something that we've learned (laughs) that she's learned over the last couple of years. Xander says actual creeps have been given. And then they hear like the squeaking noise and they look up and the, the roof is full of bats. The, the ceiling is just covered in bats and they fly down and they're super fake. And <laughs> the Scoobies all duck. And then when they're gone, Oz picks one up off the ground and he says it's rubber, like it's not real. And Xander says, well, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's like a neat trick, something to do with wires and stuff. And then they hear from like somewhere in the hallway, release me. <laughs> mm, uh, how about no? Yeah, this is something else maybe. So cut outside, Anya is walking toward the frat house and she's wearing a magnificent giant bunny costume. It's so funny because the way she walks because the feet are so big, she has to like <laughs> like take really like, big wide around, steps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so Xander said, wear something that scares you, right? So now we're learning that Anya is scared of bunnies for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she can't find the door to the house. The door is gone. So she goes back out to the lawn and looks up and we see Rachel, the girl with the eyebrow, eyeballs earlier. She's at the window of the house, screaming her lungs off. And then the window disappears. Like it blocks itself up. So Anya's just like, Xander. And then she leaves. So the, the Scoobies cannot find the stairs or the door. Or everything's turned around and changing. And Willow says that we need to get out of here. And like, we don't know what we're dealing with. And Xander says, does anyone hear that? And Buffy says, as soon as we start dealing with it, I'll know what I'm dealing with. Do you hear something? And Xander's like, yeah, that's what I said. Sounds like a hissing. And Buffy's like, it's like a noise. (laughs) And Xander's like, I thought the word hissing covered that really nicely. And they open up a closet door and one of the bros is sitting in there crying. And his name is Chaz, because of course it is. (laughs) We were so close. (laughs) So close. So... Chaz says, it's alive. And we cut to the plastic skeleton that was like, you know, popping out at people in the hallway. Uh, it's it's real. <laughs> it pans down and on the knife and then it pans back up and it's actually quite spooky looking. I'm like, good for the props because it's a real skeleton with a human eye and it's moving. And I'm like, whoa, I'm getting like, I'm getting vibes back to the last time we saw a creepy doll come alive, which was remember, Kara, the puppet show, Sid the dummy. <laughs> So Xander says that Chaz is in shock and the skeleton comes up behind Buffy and slashes her and Buffy kicks it and it immediately crumbles and it is it goes back into being plastic. But Buffy is actually like bleeding from the cut. And do you ever see scary movie, Cara? <laughs> you ever watch that movie? No. <laughs> well, they're in that movie, um, there's a real skeleton that's like chasing one of the main characters and she runs into her friend and she's like, like, run, run, I'm being chased. And her friend sees it and she's like, Cindy, those are just bones. Like, those are just like skeleton bones. <laughs> and then they take it out. So that's, that's what that reminded me of. <laughs> so 
They hear a girl screaming. <laughs> Chaz just goes back into the closet. He's like, fuck this. And he goes back into the closet, shuts the door. And then the closet disappears. Oof. So Buffy's like, had enough. She's like, all right, weapons out. I'm going to find a way upstairs to see if there's any people up there. You guys find a way out of the house. And Willow's like, you're telling us to run away and leave you behind? And Buffy's like, we need help. We need the only person that can make sense of what's happening. Mm, who, who could that be? <laughs> there's only one person they could be referring to, and it's... Rupert Giles, who's sitting, the saddest man, <laughs> sitting by himself, eating his own candy. I don't know sad. what you're talking about. Eating Halloween candy by yourself is the best. You can tell he's like just, he like is praying kids will come to the door. And someone does come to the door and it's Anya. And she barges right in and she's like, Xander's in trouble. We need to do something right now. He's trapped. And Giles is like, where's Buffy and the others? And she's like, they're trapped too, but we've got to save Xander. <laughs> So Giles says, you need to be more specific. And Anya starts explaining what happened with the girl, the vanishing house and the doors and stuff. And Giles is like, hmm, matter and reality distortion, like a vanishing spell's temporary flux. And he starts grab grabbing supplies. And he's like, don't worry about Xander. At least he's amongst friends. And this is like the second time we've seen Anya enter. No, sorry. The third time we've seen Anya in Giles's house, but the second time that she's entered as a human. And like, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm I'm like getting like sexual chemistry vibes off of Anya. I mean, and part Giles. of it is, as you've commented, right? Emma Caulfield feels like such an older actor compared to the others. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's also because these both of these characters are from outside of the high school Sunnydale clique, right? It's like mm -hmm. Giles is British and older. Anya is an ex-demon and she only really joined the cast like last season. Um, and even though she was posing as a high schooler, she isn't like part of that group, right? So they are both kind of outsiders in their own ways and that gives them something in common. Yeah, good point. Uh, so well, that explains that because I was like, wow, you guys look really good together, you know? Like, <laughs> hmm. So we cut to Willow and Buffy having a fight. Oh, no. You know, I hate when they fight. So Willow is like, you're telling me what to do. And Buffy's like, I can't do my job if I'm worrying about each of your safety. And Willow is like, it's not your decision. And Buffy says, got to disagree with you there. And Willow's like, of course you do. Oof. Xander's trying to interrupt during all this. And Willow says, being the Slayer doesn't automatically make you boss. You're as lost as the rest of us. And Oz is like, what are we talking about? And Willow just says, I want to cast a simple incantation, a guiding spell for travelers when they become lost or disoriented. And it conjures an emissary form from the beyond that lights the way. And Buffy's like, conjuring, Will, let's be realistic here. Your basic spells are usually only 50-50. And Will's like, oh yeah? Well, so's your face! And she's, she walks away. And and Buffy like is like, what does that mean? And Will's like, I'm not your sidekick. And then she storms off and Oz follows her. And... <sighs> okay, so I mean, I isn't Buffy the boss though? Like, I know Will's like that doesn't make you boss because you're the Slayer, and I'm not your sidekick. Yes, it, it, it does. It and does. Yes, you are Willow. Like you explicitly said, I am going to you see Sunnydale to be your sidekick. I'm going to learn <laughs> magic so I can fight the fight alongside you, the Slayer. Right. My question is. Is this just a natural fight among friends or is the house influencing this in some way? The house is influencing this for sure. Okay, I mean, okay. we, we see later the house goes out of its way to separate everybody. So I think it's for sure influencing the fight 
in them. Naughty house. <laughs> you bad, bad house. So so Buffy sighs and, Z- and Xander is trying to defend or like is trying to stand up for Willow, but also like help the situation in his own way. Um, so Buffy's going through the basket of her weapons while Xander talks to her. And he's like, we're all tired. We're all a little edgy. Maybe Willow's overreacting, but I'm sure a part of it is that you've been a pushy away girl lately. But now that's not the time. Let's like, let's not th- let the stuff tear us apart. What I'm saying is I'm right. I'm right with you right by your side. Like he's saying the right things. But then as he's talking, Buffy suddenly looks up and she's like, Xander, Xander, where did you go? And Xander's like, haha, very funny. And Buffy starts looking around, like walking around looking for him. And he's like, Buffy, I'm, I'm right here. And Buffy's like walking away being like, this is so typical of him, Xander. And she goes looking for him. Like, like the way Sarah Michelle Gellar is playing this when he's clearly there on the set with her is it's like, it's funny, but it's also just kind of like, you can tell that she can still see him. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so Buffy walks away looking for Xander and Xander loses her as she walks away. And now he's just in a scary hallway all by himself. So Willow is bitching about Buffy to Oz as they're walking. She's like, she thinks I'm not ready to be a full-blown witch. I can handle the dark forces as good as anyone else. It's not that hard. It's just a guiding spell and I'm careful and, and all. And Oz is like, this place is used to have windows. Like he's like not listening. He's like looking around. And Willow's like, look, we found the stairs. Buffy didn't find the stairs, no sir. (laughs) And Oz is like, I don't think you guys are thinking clearly. And then he notices that his hands have wolfed out. So he says, Will, something's happening. And Willow's like, something good? And she turns around. when has something good ever happened, Willow? Come on. Willow is like weirdly optimistic in this episode. Um, Oz is like half transformed into a werewolf at this point. And he's like, I'm changing. And Willow's like, but you can't because there's no full moon tonight. And Oz is like, uh, like, get away, get away from me. And she's like, no, we need to find something to restrain you, ropes or chains or something. And he's like, there's no time. And Willow's like, I can't do this guiding. I can do the guiding spell. I know I can make it work. Willow, that is not the situation right now. And she reaches out to him and Oz is like, no, when he scratches her, trying to push her away. So Oz takes off. He runs away and Willow shouts after him, Oz, don't leave me. And that echoes across the empty halls. So Xander is wandering around. He sees himself in the mirror and he's like, okay, good. I didn't go anywhere. Great. Now I got to do is live with the, with the fact that no one else can see me. And then there's a head, there's like a floating head behind him. (laughs) And it just says, I can see you. (laughs) Great. Halloween. Halloween is great. So in a bathroom, Oz has taken Sanctuary in a tub. And he's like saying to himself over and over again, you're not going to change. You're not going to change. He's like rocking back. But this is a really sad scene. I don't, I don't like it because it's just poor Oz. Oz. It's poor, sweet, gentle, beautiful Oz. So... Buffy is wandering the halls with the crossbow. So like, let's just do a little sum up of what everybody is experiencing right now in terms of their fears. Fear itself for each of them. Xander's fear is that he's going to be forgotten by his friends or left behind, basically ceasing to exist or matter to them. I mean, I'm not hating it. (laughs) I mean, I'm not disagreeing. Um, Oz fears losing control of his wolfiness, his, his, his werewolf ability that we all forgot about um, and hurting Willow in the process because he scratched her. Buffy fears abandonment, stretching from her father, but obviously it's more about Angel and then followed up by what Parker did. Her rebound man did the exact same thing. So she's feeling that. Um, And Willow's fear is a little bit stranger to me. On one hand, I'm like, 
she could be fearing losing Oz because right now she's like, don't leave me, don't leave me, right? And then like, oh, good. But on the other hand, it makes me think a lot more that she fears that she'll never be taken seriously as a witch or that her power will never be taken seriously and always be considered second to Buffy's. I, I think what we're seeing with Willow's fear is she is afraid that people aren't going to listen to her. Not take her seriously. Yeah, like, you know, with the case of Buffy, right? Buffy's just dismissing her skills. And with the case of Oz running away, like scratching her and running away, he didn't listen to her earlier when she's like, this is what I can do. Like, I can do this magic. I can get us out of here. You know, he didn't back her up. And, and so that's her fear is her fear is that she's going to have this power and this ability, but nobody is going to trust her enough to use it. Yeah. And she chose getting a really excellent education she chose magic over, over that. She like stayed in Sunnydale so, to work on her witchcraft and no one's taking her seriously for it. Does this episode remind you a little bit of nightmares? Yeah, it does. Everyone's manifesting their own problems. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's got a story. <laughs> so Willow is sitting and doing her conjuring spell. A little green light or a hyena spirit <laughs> appears. And uh, Willow says, I did it. I did you. Hi. <laughs> She's like, you're watching for, you're waiting for instructions. Okay. Bring me to Oz. And then as she starts to follow it, she changes her mind. And I'm like, that's where you went wrong, Willow. Um, she's like, you know, I should try to find people upstairs first. Okay, let's go find them. Oh, but I got to find a way out of the house. And then as she's doing this, the lights multiply, quadruple, dozen fly. <laughs> There's dozens of them at one point. And then they all start flying around her head like wasps. And she's trying to bat them away. And she starts screaming and she runs away and they chase her. So, oh no. And I think this happened to you, Willow, because you let your ego and your pride get in the way of common sense because you said yourself, you don't know what you're dealing with. So how was magic, a spell that you've never done, that, like, I know Buffy taunted you by saying you only get it 50-50 right, but Buffy was right. Pride made you feel like you can do this and prove everybody wrong, and you done fucked up now, you know? So Buffy hears Willow screaming. And now Buffy's got to come save her, just like Buffy said she didn't want to have to do. But Buffy is happy to do it because she's a hero. But she ends (laughs) up falling through this door into this basement. She falls pretty long, so she's kind of like knocked out. And then when she comes to, the dead frat boy Chad is down there with his broken neck. He looks like the bent neck lady from... The Haunting of Hill House. I'm sorry you. I'm sorry that you had to endure that. Yeah, right? I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> why Why couldn't he have just, like, you know, been bitten like everybody else? So he's saying to, Bu- to Buffy, um, they all run away from you. They always will. Open your heart to someone and pff, don't fret, little girl. You're not alone. And arms pop out of the ground like <sighs> daisies this and grab like, her. <laughs> this is legit creepy. Yeah. I know. But I was also kind of like, would this scare Buffy? Because like she sees this stuff all the time, no? But, but again, like the house is amplifying their fears. So she's feeling, and she's already feeling vulnerable, right? So I, I would say, yeah, this is creepy. Giles is at the door of the house with a book. And he's like, we have to create a door. And Anya's there. She's like, you can do that? And Giles, fucking ripper Giles, leans over his bag and pulls out a chainsaw. Lord have mercy. He rings it up and he starts. Are, oh, are, are man in construction. Are you experiencing lusty frog feelings right now, Steph? 
there's nothing wrong about them. In fact, they're quite right because he's, oh man, Giles doing labor. <laughs> I mean, he didn't take his shirt off, so I'm sorry you didn't get to see that, but. <laughs> That's what my imagination's I for. love that Anya must be expecting him to like do a spell to open a door and he's just like, nope. But also, <laughs> Giles being working out because chainsaws are not light and he has carried this chainsaw plus everything else like books and stuff. All the way, the you know, I I don't know exactly where he lives, but is it five miles? It's well, I don't, yeah. Are they on campus or what? Like, what's going on? What, like, um, he that that's a hefty thing to carry around just in case you need it. Kara Giles is in the shape of his life right now because he goes for runs. He has marathon sex during the day with hot women. Is he going like spin class? Do you think? Yeah. Absolutely, he is in excellent shape right He's now. He's like the and only I'm... dude in a spin class full of like a bunch of cougars, and they're always just like <laughs> eyeing him up and like taking turns taking him to lunch each day. Yeah, to have nooners. <laughs> <laughs> so Giles is fucking hot here, okay? And Buffy is fighting those zombies, and the frat boy is saying, no matter how hard you fight, you'll just end up at the same place. I don't know why you bother. And Buffy ends up struggling and going through this, like, crawl space door, and she she finds herself, and they're calling it the goat room. I don't know why they call it the goat room. I, I would just call it the, I thought it was the attic or something, like the upstairs room. But anyway, that's where the party is. So she gets up and she looks around, and everyone is huddled to themselves in terror, like in their own minds. And Buffy sees Oz, who's been cowering, and then Willow runs in screaming, get him off me, get him off me! And that jogs Oz out of his space because he loves Willow so much, only she can bring him out of the stupor. So he goes and he he comforts her. He gives her a hug and it's very sweet. And Buffy says, we need to get out of here. And we hear Xander's like right beside her by himself, muttering to himself. And he's like, I'd offer my opinion, but you jerks aren't gonna hear it anyway. And Buffy like sees him and walks over to him and he's like, not that not that didn't go to college boy would have anything important to say. I might as well hang out with my best friend, bleeding dummy head for all you dorks care. And Buffy's like, what is wrong with you? And Xander's like, you can see me? Oh good, oh god good. So Oz points out that the house separated them all and it wanted to scare us. So that's why I think Willow and Buffy's fight was amplified. Right, I agree with you, yeah. So Willow says, but we got away! <laughs> so again, Willow's being optimistic. Like, really optimistic here. And Buffy's like, no, we were brought here. We all got so scared, but we ended up here. Why? And Xander then, Xander, points to the symbol and he says, I saw them painting that and he didn't say and did nothing about it. <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, they painted that. Mm. Yeah, but I got distracted by the idea of being able to get laid tonight with these grapes so <laughs> so they find the book and it's in gaelic and willow can read and translate gaelic <laughs> since when so anyway they hear the voice there's a voice shouting around them and willow says that the icon is called the mark of gaknar and Carl, I'll say right here that always Gaknar has been one of my favorite demons it's in the show. It's a great name. It is. It is. And it's a great demon. <laughs> so, and I, I, sorry, I just want to throw this in here. I have a vague memory. This was a while back in the Discord, but I believe one of our uh, Discord users can read Gaelic and said that the the markings were actually like like road directions or something. Okay. Um, 
to get to somewhere in Ireland. So I, I sorry, I'm just throwing that out there. I I have no memory well, of the details, but wouldn't it be so interesting if like um if the symbol is road directions, it's because it's directing Gaknar <laughs> to to come out of this dimension. Come here, Gaknar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um. The spell, the summoning spell is for something called Gaknar, which is obviously the demon. And the beginning of the spell was somehow triggered, <laughs> thanks Oz. And Gaknar is trying to manifest itself into being. And it feeds on fear. Buffy's like, our fears are manifesting it. They never feed on happiness. Like... No one ever does that. They never feed on having lots of puppies. Right? They always fe- feed on fear and tears. So... Buffy's like, we're feeding it. We need to stop. And Xander's like, if we close our eyes and say it's a dream, it'll stab us to death. <laughs> These things are real. And then someone's screaming, release me. And Buffy's like, all our fears are feeding it. We can get everybody out of here. And then the walls start rumbling. So they go to run out of the door, run out the door. And that's when Giles opens the door with his chainsaw in hand. <laughs> and Xander, he has a lot of good lines in this episode, but this one I really liked where he's like, hey, look, everyone, it's Giles with a chainsaw. <laughs> it's giving evil dead vibes. Yes, it is. It really is. Um, Anya runs in and hugs Xander and Giles like says, the wall's closed up behind us. Willow hands him the book and he's like, oh yes, Gaknar, of course. <laughs> right? That was my reaction. It was like, oh, so you know this demon, Giles. Like, of all the demons, you know, Giles has this encyclopedic knowledge. He's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, a classic Gaknar, classic Gaknar in his direction sign. So, <laughs> so I love this. I love this from now on. Like, I, I mean, I always love this episode, but like this scene is fucking so good. This is, this is one of the best best climaxes i think in the series yeah it is so so good so um giles gives us information about gaknar because he's a gaknar expert just like uh angel was a lego expert oh, oh i have a theory steph do we think that giles is so bored he's actually started to learn how to use the internet and he's been like reading up and like participating in like forums online. And he's like, yeah, like, I was reading about Gaknar and the Demonpedia. But he doesn't want to tell them that, of course, because he doesn't want to admit that he's embracing technology. Yeah, that he's shallow like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. When he's done banging his spin class biddies, he is <laughs> researching Gaknar. <laughs> I regret saying that. <laughs> well, don't set it up if you don't want me to take it home, Kara. <laughs> All right, all right, what is Gaknar, okay? His presence infects the reality of the house, but it's not managed to achieve, it hasn't managed to achieve full manifestation yet. So he's like, we cannot allow this thing to come to being. And Buffy's like, why well, I can fight it, right? And Giles shows her a picture of Gaknar in the book. And Buffy's like, I do not want to fight that. Because like he looks really like, beastly. Yeah, like massive demon with like horns and, you know, he looks <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. shaggy and spiky and just not a good time. Uh, she's like, we have to break the spell. Giles reads in Gaelic and says that the summoning spell for Gaknar can be shut down in one of two ways. Destroying the mark of Gaknar, dot, 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 because Buffy immediately goes and punches through the symbol, destroying it. And she stands up and she's so proud. She's like, 
fuck yeah like he did it done done (laughs) crisis averted and giles continues is not one of them and will in fact immediately bring forth the fear demon itself (laughs) it's so funny and it's like maybe you should have led with that giles well giles like stops to watch what buffy does after he reads the first half of that that's on you giles that's on you so i'm sorry (laughs) so fucking funny just thinking about it is funny right like the, the timing the timing so they all look down at the symbol which starts to glow white because the directions are completed and um, Gaknar is rising. Something is coming forth out of the ground. And we get like a close-up of Gaknar the demon roaring. And he's like coming up with his arms up. It's like so dramatic. The camera's shaking. We see Gaknar in his face and he looks straight up. And it's because the man, <laughs> the demon, is like a ruler, like like an action figure size. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. So so the Scoobies are all looking down at him. And Buffy's like, this is Gaknar? <laughs> and Xander says, big overture, little show. And Gaknar, Kara do the honors, Gaknar says, <laughs> I am the dark lord of nightmares, the bringer of terror. Tremble before me. Fear me. <laughs> Well done, well done. That's like rivals my Anya impression, my Anyanka impression. Um, Buffy stifles a giggle when he's talking. It's so funny. And Willow looks at this guy and she's like, he's so cute. (laughs) And Oz is just grinning at him. And Xander leans forward and he's like, who's a little fear demon? Come on, who's a little fear demon? And Giles is like, don't taunt the fear demon. And Xander's like worried. He's like, why? can Can he hurt me? And Giles is like, no, it's just tacky. <laughs> so he's like, be that as it may, Buffy, when it comes to slaying. And Buffy's like, size doesn't matter. <laughs> and then Gaknar says, <laughs> They're all going to abandon you, you know? <laughs> and Buffy's like, yeah, yeah, and stomps on him. But like the camera is uh, looking up at Buffy's shoe as she stomps down on it. It's so good. So... <laughs> this is so funny so i just like like i mean hey if you want the metaphor now right gaknar is destroyed the house is free uh what it takes all it takes is for you to take out your fears examine your fears everybody and you'll realize that they're small and tiny and insignificant and that is the lesson of the well, and it also helps if you have a friend with a chainsaw it also helps if you have a hot librarian who knows how to work a chainsaw and carries it around with him willy-nilly oh gosh the thirst for giles is real apparently <laughs> the thirst for giles is real the thirst for oz in this episode is real <laughs> so the scoobies are eating giles's candy at his house and he's reading the gaktar book behind them and buffy is saying there's no problem that can't be solved by chocolate and willow's like i think i'm gonna barf and buffy's like accept that <laughs> so xander's staring at anya and he's like this is your scary costume and anya says bunny's frightening me and giles is like Bloody hell, the inscription! And this is so good, too, because the music gets really intense. Because it's like, oh my god, they missed something. It couldn't have been as easy as that, right? So he gets up and he says, I should have translated the Gaelic inscription under the illustration of Gaknar. And he hands Buffy the book and he, she's like, well, what does it say? And he says, actual size. And then the music stops. <laughs> and Buffy just shrugs and puts the book down. <laughs> End. Cut to black. What a delight. What a delightful episode. episode. Yeah, it's really fun to watch. 
Who's your hero? It's got to be Giles. I mean, you cannot beat Chainsaw Giles. You cannot. He saved the day. He was hot while doing it. <laughs> so funny. Great delivery of all those lines. I'm also going to give a hero's nod to Oz for being the supportive boyfriend that he I, is. I think we should also give a shout out to Anya, right? Like she, her first thought was Xander. Like she's concerned for his safety and she goes to Giles because she knows he's the one who can help. And, you know, it, it, that shows growth on her part. Because last time somebody was threatened, you know, she was concerned for Xander's safety, but she still ran out of town. So instead of running away from danger now, she's running towards somebody who can help. Good for everybody in this episode, especially Giles, Oz, and Anya. I like this episode so much. I'm enjoying season four, I must say. Um, I know there's been a lot of up and down reviews about season four from a lot of different people, but um, I went into, I'm going into it with an open mind and like so far I'm enjoying it yeah, a lot. I, I, I mean, as long as, you know, uh, we don't meet any like annoying new love interests for Buffy or anything. Yeah, if she stays single, she can be sad about Parker and Angel for a little bit, but like, you know, then she can just live her single life, and that's great. You know? Yeah, and I don't want anyone. I think everyone should just stay where they are, right? Like all the cast right now, we got the nice Scooby flow going here. Stay, don't leave. Change anything up? Um, Yeah, stay exactly as it is. So before we get into our hot stakes from our listeners, uh, you and I have a hot stake staff, right? We've got a hot stake to share. We've got hot stakes galore over here. <laughs> Born to hot stake. <laughs> we, we wanted to discuss, you know, some of the reaction we got, particularly on Instagram, when we posted about the fat phobia in The Freshman. And there were a lot of lovely messages. And, and, you know, most of the you who are listening, I would expect, would be the people with the lovely messages. So we're not really talking to you. Um, but we, we thought we needed to address this on the podcast, right? Because we were taken aback a little bit by just the volume of people commenting, challenging the idea that the comments we were talking about were fatphobic. Um, and... I don't know, you can talk about what bothered you, Steph, but what bothered me the most were the people who were like, oh, well, you shouldn't be criticizing the show for this because it's of its time. You know, it, that was 25 years ago. Like, we, we we should just give it a pass. Like, why are you ruining its legacy? And it's it's like, firstly, hello, have you not been paying attention to our Instagram or listen to our podcast? Because <laughs> we are all about criticizing the legacy of Joss Whedon. Why is this a surprise a year right? later, season four? You know, yeah, like it shouldn't also, be. Also, like, yeah, we have made our stance very clear, right? Like, we are going to criticize things. We're going to call things out in this show, and it doesn't ruin our enjoyment of it because we're not insecure children <laughs> like some people. Um, we are here to do serious commentary in a lighthearted way. We want to make people laugh. We want to have fun, but we cannot, in good conscience, watch this show uncritically. And just talk about how great it is because there are things that fucking suck about this show, right? And there's so much, there's fat phobia, there's racism, there's transphobia. And yes, a lot of that is because it is quote unquote of its time. But 25 years is not that long ago. And it, should, it shouldn't have been this way 25 years ago. It's not an excuse. It's so our it, lifetime. Yeah. It's in our lifetime, right? Like, we lived through this. So, of course, we're going to critique it, right? And yes, we're going to call out things like fat phobia. And if that makes people uncomfortable, so be it. And I, I hope that our listeners will join us in our discomfort when we talk about these issues. And if you're not willing to do that, you don't have to engage with us. You don't have to listen 
You don't have to comment on on our Instagram. Yes, there are other... You can go watch the Instagrams of the hot models that, you know, are starving themselves because of all the fat phobic messages in our society. Um, You can just keep being part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution. Thank you. Yeah. No, I I agree with everything you just said. And I agree with what annoys me about these comments. Like, we're going to get the trolls. We're going to get the people who are stuck in the past and don't want to accept that fat people should be given respect, (laughs) that bigger people should be given platforms and be treated decently and represented on screen. Like they don't want to accept that fine. And it's their choice to choose to comment. And then (laughs) we, we badger them so much that they end up deleting their comments. And that's, that's one thing. But what annoys me is the fact that some people come on there and literally do not understand why we are critiquing the media the way we critique it. They think we are personally attacking them you can divide the two, right? You can be critical of something and mm-hmm. love it. We mm-hmm. can love Buffy and accept that it's not perfect because it is not perfect. That doesn't mean it wasn't empowering. It doesn't mean that it didn't make uh, a lot of people feel seen and heard when it came out in the 90s and early aughts. But critiquing it now is important because how are we going to continue getting shows that were as empowering as Buffy nowadays if we don't critique what it did wrong like we don't want to see these mistakes made anymore which is why we have to critique the material and again our listeners understand this that's why that's why they're all here right that's why you guys are here you. you you understand this we love you guys and you come in and you defend or you send private messages to say like i like what you're doing like i see you i like what you're doing we really appreciate the support by the way we do we do because it it makes us feel like what we're doing matters and it, it helps us keep going. It, it just it just does because sometimes there is a lot of hate and Car and I are human, you know? Like, like, it's not like we don't feel when people come and attack us. It's just with your support and with your lovely words of affirmation, it helps. So thank you everybody to that and fuck fat phobia, <laughs> right? <laughs> Down with body shaming. Let's get representation out there and let's call it out when we see it. Yay. Okay. Yay! Uh, hot stakes from our listeners. First up, we have Roisin commenting on some of the thoughts we shared with Graduation Day regarding um, Willow and Oz doing it. <gasps> Willow losing her virginity. So Roisin says, I fully agree that in general, popular culture assigns a disproportionate level of importance to the concept of virginity, especially for women. And that's bullshit. However, in this case, I do think that is consistent with Willow's character. Willow is often preoccupied with how things are supposed to be. Hence, her attraction to magic is a way of solving problems. She has always been the one trying to push the relationship in a physical direction, much more so than Oz. Additionally, I do think the show communicates that it's not about there being something inherently special about a woman having sex for the first time, because Oz says that everything feels different for him as well, despite him having had sex before. Of course, saying that a relationship is inherently more special if it involves sex is also problematic. However, I don't think that is what the scene is saying either. Perhaps I'm judging, sorry, perhaps I'm giving the show too much credit, but I do think that the fact that they have had sex is more to signify a new direction of their relationship as opposed to being a value judgment of it being inherently more valid. Interesting. Yeah, I I mean... I think it's hard because 
having, you know, watched the series so many times, having watched Angel, on the whole, I think that these writers just have such a bad track record when it comes to dealing with sex. Um, and especially when it comes to punishing women for having sex on this show. So I, I think that colors my perceptions of all the sex scenes and all the sexual relationships in this show. So you're right, Roshin, like maybe I'm being harsh just because uh, this is trauma I carry from watching this show. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even put all the responsibility on the writers because, again, we're writing in the context of the 90s, but also this is a WB show and this narrative stretches across all those teen shows at the time, right? Mm -hmm. That if you are having, if you have sex for the first time, it's a huge deal for girls. Girls should wait. And mm -hmm. if they do it, you know, it, it's a lot bigger deal to them than it would be to boys. And, and I'm not saying that they can't have a more nuanced conversation or in that scene with Oz and Willow that there wasn't a lot more going on in terms of them developing their relationship together. And I think we did see that and comment on it. But I see it for sure in the context of the time period in which it was written and the network in which that they were preaching out to teenagers. So that's how I see it too. Thanks, Roisin. Uh, our next hot stake is from Jane, who wrote in about Kathy, our favorite our favorite character, Kathy, from Living Conditions. Uh, Jane says, while I don't think that Kathy was intended to be coded as neurodivergent, I think that she definitely can be viewed in that way. I, as a neurotypical person myself, have always loved Kathy as a character since my first time viewing season four. A lot of the behavior Kathy exhibits is this in this episode are things myself exhibit in my daily life. Repetitive music, strong compulsion for order, misunderstanding boundaries, hyperfixation on divas. <laughs> I also identify a lot with Cordelia and would argue she also is a lot of has a lot of neurodivergent traits, but may just be better at masking them. So the other reason I strongly identify with Kathy even more in this rewatch is the hiding of her demon side and wanting to just be seen like everybody else. I myself am a trans woman and can really identify with this desire and all the fear Kathy has at being outed as not being who everyone expects her to be. Jane uh, sent this email to us today when Living Conditions came out. So you were right on the hop listening, Jane. Thank you for answering my call to get some more perspectives from other people about this idea of Kathy being neurodivergent. Because like I said in last week's episode, you know, um, I wrestle with talking about these issues myself because even though I'm kind of embracing the idea of neurodivergent as a label for myself, I'm not really sure what that means for me. Um, and, and I want to talk about these things more when we see them in TV. Overall, I just I think it's worthwhile remembering when we encounter people with personalities that are quite different from our own that we clash with. It's, it's worth us asking, you know, why is somebody like this? Is it a result of something like neurodivergence or a mental health uh, issue or trauma that you're carrying, you know, fears that you have. And none of those are meant to excuse poor behavior like Kathy exhibits. But I, I think that if we take a moment to take a step back and, and look at other people with that empathy and compassion of like, you know, you're not just a bad person. Like there's a reason you're acting this way. Um, the world might be a better place? Question mark. Mm -hmm. And I, I do... 
I think it's so interesting that you listed all these things that Kathy did that you do too, um, which is great. But I do strongly recommend that you don't label your eggs. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, yes. I think and, that's, you should stop that. <laughs> I love that you're hyper fixating on divas, but, you know, change it up. You know, share Madonna, like, you know, just, just change it up once in a while. Rotate those Shania CDs Tween. so you don't wear them out. Yes. Um, all right. Our last hot stake is from Charlotte talking about the character of Anya and particularly sort of what we saw in Anya from the harsh light of day. I have noticed on this rewatch that Anya's character seems really autism or neurodivergent coded. There we go again. Mm. Uh, in the ways she doesn't understand humans or takes things too literally. Um, and Charlotte also points out that later on in the series, Anya exhibits, you know, again, those hyper fixations with certain things. Uh, while the representation isn't necessarily bad, the times where Anya acts literal and arguably the most neurodivergent are always used as moments where Xander and even sometimes Willow uh, makes jokes at her expense. Anya's character is arguably one of the funniest in the series, but it's also consistently silenced by those around her not giving her respect, or just straight up making jokes at her expense, which often go over her head. It really feels like the writers making ableist jokes at a neurodivergent-coded character simply being neurodivergent rather than actually giving her character development. Um, you know, and Charlotte compares this or contrasts this to the Big Bang Theory's Sheldon. This makes her relationship with Xander extremely unpalatable for me, and I think you guys were right on the money when you mentioned in late season 3 that Xander takes shots at Anya and feels comfortable talking down to her because he doesn't view her as fully human. I think the writers tried to fill the Cordelia-Xander banter dynamic whole after Cordelia left, but instead of Cordelia bantering and Xander making jokes about her being a whore or being vapid, Anya exists and Xander makes jokes about her being abnormal, dumb, and less than. Also, it is not lost on me that associating neurodivergent traits as side effects of being evil, demonic, and not human is super gross and ableist. This is interesting because I don't think the writers were thinking at all about neurodivergent right, yeah. traits as they wrote for Anya's character. I always see Anya more as a foreign exchange student, right? Like somebody who doesn't understand the culture, which mm -hmm. is not to say it's better, you know, obviously they mm -hmm. shouldn't be making fun of her for that either. Um, but yeah, so, so to say that um, they're villainizing those traits, those neurodivergent traits, I don't know if that's exactly how I would read it. And that's only because I just don't think the writers were thinking that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I know, especially because there's an episode in the next season that's very famous for a lot of reasons. And one of them is the way Anya reacts to what's going on in that episode. Um, and I, I know a lot of Buffy fans do identify with Anya's reactions. They identify with, you know, her as somebody who can be read as autistic. And I think that's valuable. I, I really like that we can have this headcanon where even if the writers weren't intending this representation, we can find it in these shows because it's not there otherwise, or it's a very poor. Mm. Um, and, but I, it just speaks to the fact that we, we need better television. Like we were saying earlier yeah. when we were talking about the fat phobia, it's like these days we need television that is deliberately presenting neurodivergent characters of all types and showing us how we can deal with our differences in a more respectful way. 
Um, so yeah, I just, I really appreciate people kind of coming in and saying like, this is how I read a character. And, you know, that's not always the way the writers intended. It's not always the way that yeah. you and I are going to see a character, but I mean, I, t I totally see Charlotte, what you're saying about Anya here. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good portrayal in the sense that the writers <laughs> had no intention of making it this way and did not do a good job. Yeah. And, and I mean, this goes like what Charlotte's saying is going along with what so many people said last season about Faith being bisexual or Faith being attracted yeah, to Buffy that's, and that, how they, that's, that's never been explicit. That's never been, I don't think that's something the writers were ever going for, but it's, it is really nice that people can see that, can see themselves in, in the subtext of what's going mm -hmm. on in the show. So yeah, it goes back to what Jane was just saying about being a trans woman and you know, seeing herself in characters like Kathy. And, and I can agree with that. Like, I don't ne necessarily think I saw myself in, in Kathy as a character, but maybe that's because my experience um, of being trans is very different because I didn't know I was trans back in college. I And I, I came out very quickly after realizing I was trans, which is a very privileged thing to be able to do. But even now, like, this is my first rewatch of Buffy since coming out as trans. And I am looking i am looking for like that subtext of like where am i in this show because there are no openly trans characters in this series so if i want to find those you know common ground i i have to read into things and have that headcanon and stuff right so it, it is interesting when we're dealing with shows from an era before you know an identity of ours is like represented in the series it's like well how do we find ourselves in that show yeah and uh, you could never relate to, to Kathy because you do not iron your jeans. <laughs> this is true. Um, okay, we have one last thing to do, which is we have to thank a new Buy Me A Coffee supporter. Ooh! Um, but she's not new to the, the show because she is one of our OG listeners. Annie joined Annie. us on buy me a coffee finally no i'm just kidding Annie. Yeah, uh what took you so long <laughs> we love everybody who supports <laughs> us and if you can't afford to support us um even just you know talking about us talking to us sharing us on social media like that all matters too like we were saying earlier the messages that we get from people are so sweet They're but so nice. you know shout out to annie for supporting us on buy me a coffee and thank you for just being such a a steady and loyal listener and fan you know you were there like literally the day it came out you were like i'm listening to the the first episode right now okay. oh my gosh no though the fun fun trivia fact about annie she's the one that gave us the correct number of times we called jenny calendar carpenter <laughs> she was the one who reached out right? and said i think it's this number and we're like you get a coloring book and that's like yes yeah, so that was our first friendship. like giveaway thing so <laughs> yeah our first giveaway um, yeah so annie's been here from the start and we are here, you know, we're here for it and we appreciate your support, um, whether it's financial or just, you know, spiritual. Thank you so much. And thank you to our other Buy Me A Coffee supporters, as well as our chosen ones. Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, and Destiny. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. 
If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch! See you next week!